0: So is it happening yet? You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the rush, the, the, the sense of urgency to get it all done. I know for some of you that may not be an issue, but a great many, I'm certain it is. I can see it in your faces when you walk through the door. It's true for me as well. Your minds are running a million miles an hour. You can't get it all done fast enough. Kids and grandkids are their excitement level levels are just exploding through the roof, and you're looking at the Christmas budget and thinking, or it's going to break us, or at least make a big dent. Here we are, first Sunday of Advent. Everything that means for us who 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 believe in and follow Jesus, here we are, go, go, go. And then all of a sudden, here's this gospel text and this pastor up here saying, keep awake, (laughs) be alert. (laughs) And you're anything but alert. You just want a little nap, right? Give me 10 minutes in a quiet place. I get it, I get it. You might be ready to raise that white flag, whatever happens. Guess what? Great many pastors, if not all of us, feel exactly the same way, maybe for different issues, but it's a busy time of year for all of us. It takes us out of our normal routines in so many different ways. Everything gets wonky and seems off balance to us. It's that race to Christmas morning, and the deadline looms large as each day passes. And we want to make it all perfect. You want to make it memorable for kids and grandkids. You want the best dessert or side dish or, or offering that you can take to, to that party or to that family gathering. You want to make an impression and give it your all. You want to give time and resources to care for others. And that's a must. And then and then there are those endless commercials posts on social media, snail mails, however you get your information, it just comes flooding in. Buy this, buy that, do this, do that. You're sleep deprived and you're stressed. Again, pastors know how you feel. We look at it all the time, looking for that perfect sermon. What is just the right word or words to say on Christmas Eve? I'm still working on that, by the way. (laughs) Will we make goals for the coming year? How do we uh, take care of, of, of all the work that's to be done and it's all designed to wear us out it seems like I don't have any answers for myself or for you in terms of how to remedy that it just is what it is perhaps and we've got to be in the midst of it and I, I think that's a part in, in some ways I don't want to read too much into this gospel text but that's a part of what's happening here and I want to, I will, I'll try to speak to that in a way that can make sense Advent, uh, here, here's what I like about Advent, my, my thought about Advent. It's not pre-Christmas. We may sing some Christmas hymns here and there. We've got decorations up, all beautiful, all appropriate. But it's our psychological, intellectual, and spiritual system that, that builds up in us these immunities to wonder and mystery and magic and surprise. And what Advent does, what this kind of strange time of year does, is it breaks all that down. The regular routines we have as people of faith, coming to church Sunday after Sunday, participating, participating at whatever level you do here. All of that goes away for a few days, for a, for a month, as we go through Advent. Things are different for all of us. Advent injects into our bloodstreams a powerful infusion of oxygen-producing faith. I heard another pastor say that. That's not mine. But I love it. I love that idea. It's a great image. Advent injects into our bloodstreams powerful infusions of oxygen-producing faith. It fills us spiritually in a powerful way. In high school, there were times in my high school uh, experience where I may not have been the most motivated student. Let's just put it that way. And uh, uh, as evidence of that, I took a class and my wife went to the same high school where I took this class called awareness. Remember Bonnie awareness? Yeah. Awareness. Awareness. It was one of those classes my friends told me, ah, it's an easy A. You may not even have to study and there's really not any homework in there. Here's what happened. As I've reflected on that class and, and what Miss Bonnie, I don't remember her last name, the teacher, taught us. And it, really, it was really true. Wasn't that hard, uh, no homework, uh, all that was true. But I think what she was getting at with us is kind of what this text is getting at with us. We gotta look a little deeper into ourselves. She wanted us to learn how to relate better to one another to understand ourselves more, to to, to look deeply at who we are and what we're about, what motivates us, what what takes us to the good and the bad places in our lives, and how do we better ourselves? A lot of the class was simply learning how to relate with other students, with her as the teacher. And there were lots of uh, of actual, you know, kind of get up out of your chairs and move around kind of thing. I consider it to be, at this point, one of the more important classes I had prior to going to college. It was the first time anybody ever talked to me about building relationships. My aim as first-year as your pastor is to do that as much as I possibly can. And I have this undying urge and sense of inadequacy that I'm not doing that fast enough. Does it remind you of the text, remind you where we are right now? That, that, that idea that we're just never satisfied, that's not healthy in my opinion. Sometimes we have to be okay with it and just letting go and letting it slow down a bit. Had I po- possessed the maturity to be a little more self-reflective then and even now, I might have changed and I might change more profoundly and fundamentally than I currently am. Her mission was simply that teacher to to get us to slow down, to look a little deeper at ourselves and others around us. She never called it a spiritual process, but it seemed such in reflection. Conversely, on the other side of the coin for me, I was also a 14-year football player, played football all through high school. And, uh, you know, with every football coach I had, without exception, every one of them always used the term, which is the title of this sermon, it's... Gentlemen, it's a sense of urgency. We've got a sense of urgency here. We've got to move forward you know, and, and do the game plan. Implement our strategy. Play with excellence. You know, don't, you know, everything has to be perfect and fast and agile, right? That gets really tiring. I'm glad we had shorter seasons in <laughs> high school. Uh, like homework, I didn't want to do all that extra work either. But I was an OK football player. I got by on my, my own wits, I guess. But in the midst of that, there's that sense of how do, how do you keep from exhausting whatever capacity you have just to be one step ahead of the other, whether it be a team or an individual. Living in two worlds, and maybe we all do to some degree. Maybe you can find ways to equate what I'm talking about with your own life. I don't know. Maybe this is just me. I hope not. I hope this is speaking to some of you. But I believe the dynamic remains at least for me today and I I believe I see it in other people as well. That we're living in this world that says push harder, go faster, do more all the time. And it doesn't matter, you can't ever be satisfied. And then another world that's inside of us or in others that we see saying slow down, we're worried that you're doing too much or you think that of yourself. And how do we balance those two drivers in our lives? I don't know about you, but my life tips back and forth between the two. The images in this text are really profound to me. It starts off with this ominous, heaven and earth is going to pass away. Everything's just going to go away. It's not good. It's not good news. And then all of a sudden, it, it transitions into good news. But also with a, a kind of a, a warning off and on, it seems, in the text. But but no one knows the hour. Neither the angels in heaven nor the sun, but only the Father. Only God knows the hour. So there's this secret. And then in verse 33, keep alert, be aware. No, you don't know when the time's gonna come, it says. And 35 says, therefore, keep awake. And 37 says, and all I say to you, keep awake. Life is short. Live in a way that makes a difference. Stay awake. Be aware. Now, for years, I interpreted that text. And those, that's not a verbatim reading of the, of the text, by the way. That's some ad lib on my part. But uh, I, I, what, what is interesting to me about the fig tree and, and, there's, and what it's asking us to do is exactly what I was talking about, this, this idea of, of being aware, being awake, aware of your aroundness, around what's around you and what's going on within you, but also taking that moment to look inside, to take a deep breath, to stop and reflect again. That it doesn't always have to be about progress in the way in our humanness we think of progress. In part, it's about spiritual progress, how we can look inwardly, how we can take that breath and settle ourselves and be aware of God. It's about getting closer to God. It's an easy mistake for us to make, I think, to to say that these words, be aware, be vigilant, stay awake, are warnings or admonitions. Well, they might be, but. I don't believe in this case they are. I think they're simply asking us to do what I learned in that high school course, what I've learned from countless pastors and parishioners uh, about spirituality, about staying awake and knowing that God is there with us. And we can't do that until we stop, until we slow down and we experience the moment. It's such a powerful thing. We're immersed in the holiday parties, the Christmas programs, the endless shopping. And the gospel says, stay awake. But it's staying awake to the idea of God in the world and, and God in us and with us in a profound way. Being awake is about finding rest and peace. And over and over again in all of the gospels, Jesus says that to us in countless ways. In me, you will find rest. In me, you will find peace. Even in the chaos, we can seek those little corners out and live into them. There was a a Basque folklorist and anthropologist, uh, Angelis Arian, talks about a fourfold way of love. And I I just want to share this with you. It's about showing up, being there as one, paying attention, that awareness, proximity becomes presence. How, How close are we to people and how do we get closer Telling the truth, our truth, without shame or blame. Being open to the outcome without being attached to the outcome. That fourth one is about the toughest one for me. But it's a powerful idea before us to, to live into, um, uh, just, just to kind of close, a, a, a thought, that, that was offered to me through uh, a gentleman, uh, an astronaut by the name of uh, Mike Massimino. Anybody know Massimino? His nickname is Mass. Uh, he's a, he's a, a character f- for sure. He's, he's been in some of the Big Bang Theory episodes and stuff. He's a funny guy, but just brilliant in a lot of different ways. And he shared some insights from a book he's recently written that I'm eager to read. Uh, two things that, that live into to this message and to this text. One is he tries to practice a 30-second rule, and that is when something just is like an avalanche and it crushes him and he's just feeling bad about it or mad or whatever emotion comes up and it's preventing him from being at his best. He says, I give myself 30 seconds to hate it, to hate myself, to hate the other person, whatever it is, and then I get over it and move on. Okay, he can do that, great. I'm gonna have to work on that one. Uh, the second one, which I really liked, he says, when I feel like there is somebody that I don't like, I have to reframe my thinking to say, it's not that I don't like them, it's just that I don't know them well enough yet. Well enough yet. Wow. I mean, that's good medicine for all of us, I think. But in that is this idea of, yeah, you've got to push hard sometimes, you've got you to just give it 30 seconds, but at the same time, we can pivot, we can look back at ourselves and do it in a reflective way and not a blaming way. So the text today is, is a difficult one. I, I've often avoided this one on Advent One because it's just tough to talk about. But as I began to think about it, it seems more personal. And I even found after several readings of this text through the week that it, it warmed my heart a bit. So I would invite you to take the text and maybe uh, two or three times through the week just reflect on it and reread it for yourself as we begin to walk through Advent together let's make it that time of fun and joy yeah it's going to make us tired and worn out but also find ways to make those little spaces in your life where it opens you up to get closer to God through your own self reflection through a life of prayer and know that there is hope There is a God who simply wants to be with us and give us rest in any situation. In that God, we know we find peace. Amen.